Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, El Presidente. Four score and seven years ago. Amen. Uh, what Lord of the Rings again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, do a Lord of the Rings reference, Dan. In terms of being president? Sure, sure. Oh, man. Come back around to me. I'll think of something. Co-president and music director, Scott Reed. Yes! I realize I haven't said that you're... I've been saying he's, you know, El Presidente for all these weeks, and I haven't even said... Co-presidente. 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 And, of course, the world's biggest Lord of the Rings noob, Bill Cowan. <laughs> all we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given to us. Mm. My Lord of the Rings quote <laughs> for the day. not mm. expecting or never toss a dwarf. Mm. Those are two. Ooh, good ones. never toss a dwarf is also. Good. I learned something just not even twenty minutes ago. What is it? I was reading. I'm reading this book called With by Sky Jatani, which is awesome so far. And um, he's talking about each of his chapters is subdivided into like sections, and they're all entitled the something. Mm-hmm. And this one was entitled the U catastrophe. Which I guess, I don't know if it was a term coined by Tolkien, but I guess he used it. Hmm. Um, but basically, and it makes total sense, catastrophe being sort of like an unexpected bad event. A U catastrophe is like an unexpected like turn for good. And so you see that in his hmm. books a lot. Like he utilized hmm. that in his writing. Hmm. You look at the Battle of Helm's Deep or um, the Battle of um, Pelnor Fields and... Um, there was another one that they, that he gave as an example too. Oh, the Eagles. Um, so just this, like, it's getting really, really bad and then unexpectedly good. The U catastrophe. That's cool. Yeah. Scott, will you pray for us today? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that this podcast would be a U catastrophe for everyone who hears it. An unexpected good, uh, or maybe unexpected good, but, um, Lord, we just thank you for this time that we have together to think about you and your word. And we just pray, Lord, that we would all... All of us in this room would draw closer to you because of this conversation mm-hmm. and uh, that anyone who hears it would be blessed and encouraged um, in their relationship with you as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Next week, we just do nothing but Lord of the Rings quotes. We just I, talk to each other in Lord of the Rings I'm quotes. down. We should. We should have a Lord of the Rings episode. Oh, to be I'll sure. be useless. <laughs> no, we'll just have you watch all 12 hours in one day. All yeah, right. That'll yeah, be your homework. Not a problem. Four, four hours per extended edition. I know years. that's about how much prep time you put in for the podcast. So that's a good just, point. You'll just watch the movies instead. Yeah, instead of studying up all for right. bets. Have you ever read the book, Bill? No. Oh, I, I'll lend it to you. Or all seen right. the movie? What? What? No, I'm, I'm really read every book ever it. written. Have you haven't read the Lord of the Rings? No, it's crazy. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that seems to be Scott's feeling as well. Uh, <laughs> got something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. If you like fantasy. Wow. True. If you don't, you probably won't enjoy it. But you might still enjoy I don't know. Tolkien was a weird guy. That's got to be your new intro. It's got to be the world's biggest Lord of the Rings noob, Bill Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Scott. All right. I, I think what happens is that as this is regarding would you rather's yes. to everyone who, because Max didn't actually specify and yes. I didn't specify. So I'm specifying now. I think in this deck, there's like 10 like little subdivisions and like five of them or six of them, I've seen all the cards in. Okay. And then the other like four or so like have new cards in them. Sure. So I'll like pull it. I'll be like, I've seen all these questions before, but then I'll find like a gold mine. I'm like, oh, look at all these new questions. Ah. So I have three cards worth of new questions. Ooh, because wow. I get so excited and I don't want to like lose them into the abyss. Yeah. So let's go. Let's go quickly. Um, Bill, would you rather be covered in itchy scabs for a month or have popcorn kernel shells stuck in between every tooth for a month? I'll take the scabs. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I'm going to do it a little differently today. Um, Bill, would you rather um, navigate through life with 3D glasses always on or wearing a milk wearing a milk mustache at all times? <laughs> <laughs> It's not fair because listeners don't realize that he wears 3D glasses to the podcast every week. <laughs> so let's try something new. I'll take the milk mustache. <laughs> and you're wearing a mask pretty much out in public all the time, so no one's going to know. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. All right. Um, would you rather have low ambitions and succeed? And I, as I was reading this, succeed at those ambitions, not just like in general. Yeah. Or have high ambitions but fail? Oh, high ambitions but fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What if it were like a more cosmic sense of success and failure? Like it's not just you succeeded at your low ambitions, but you just succeeded in life, but your ambitions were low. Well, that's my life already. (laughs) (laughs) Which which one? You know, in high school, they ask the question as you're graduating, what, what is your life's ambition? And I said, Cut down on tooth decay. (laughs) (laughs) And And I did. You didn't become a dentist. (laughs) No, no, just personal tooth decay. (laughs) That's a good goal. Did you achieve it? Yeah. Man, good for you. Yeah. How many cavities have you had, Bill? About 10 million. Well, that doesn't sound like you've succeeded. It's more than you have teeth. Well, you was going to have 20 million. (laughs) That's a good point. I don't know what you were aiming for before. True. Wow. All right, Max. Would you rather be caught picking your nose on Mm. the huge screen at a big stadium or... ahead of you. Oh, I see. I misunderstood this question when I pre-read it, but... (laughs) Would you rather be caught picking your nose on the huge screen in a big stadium or be caught picking your nose on a first date with someone special? <laughs> I thought I was asking if you'd rather be caught picking your nose or on a first date or on, yeah. a date. on the big screen. Oh, I'm yeah, like, yeah. That seems like an easy one. Uh, I think I got to go date. Fair enough. I think that's fun. <laughs> would you rather live to be 150 or live to be only 50 but never have your body age past 25? <laughs> um, I'll, go, I'll go with uh, 50 at age 25. I know it's not the popular answer, but why not? Well, you got 24 more I got years. 24 more years of this. Of this. <laughs> of whatever I have now. <laughs> Listeners have no idea what I look like. <laughs> and would you rather, as a man, lose your girlfriend's pet or her diamond ring? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> diamond ring, to be sure. Right. Diamond ring, to be sure. Hmm. Yeah. We'll see if that remains true. Presumably, if in my 25-year-old body, I can get a, a job in a train yard and get enough money back to buy a diamond ring, but you can't replace I like Scott's subtle humor there. We'll see if it rings true. I, like I think I said he didn't it. See, we'll see if that remains true. Yeah. Oh, they said rings. I was like, ah. Dan's well. got dad joke filters. <laughs> he just hears them everywhere. It all comes in as puns. <laughs> all right, Dan, would you rather look back? This is kind of weirdly phrased, so prepare yourself for that. I'm prepared. Would you rather look back at large amounts of money you've wasted or look back <laughs> at having had very little money at all? Probably having very little money at all. Sounds- Easy. Like less regret. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but you think rather... of all the fun you missed out on. <laughs> I love this next question. It's one of my, it might be like one of my all-time favorites. Wow. You'll understand. Oh, man. Would I'm you, excited. Would you rather be a big, slow bird or a fast little fish? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I don't know why you love that question so much. It's but... so weird. <laughs> well, I think if you're a big, slow bird, you're going to get shot by a hunter. So hmm. that'd be a... Fast fish. Yeah, nothing bad ever happens to small fish. <laughs> what do I want to have a big bird? I'm thinking a big bird when you said that. Yeah, big bird. He doesn't want to be big bird. Does he even fly? Is he yeah, a flightless no, bird? No, he's a flightless bird. It doesn't say you fly. It just says you're big it and slow. You're a big, slow bird. <laughs> Moving target. All right. Yeah. Uh, and would you rather live in a home without electricity or in a home without running water? Ooh. Well, I'd say without water. Wow. I've made that work for several days at a time hmm. in the past. So fair enough. Not here in the U.S. Other places. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, you survive. You buy water. You can make it work. Dan, have you lived in places outside the United States other than Mexico? Costa Rica. Oh, how long? One year. Wow, that's right. I forgot. We had water go off all the time there. Wow. <laughs> all right. My turn. Scott? Would I rather cut a quarter acre field of grass with my teeth Ooh. or lick up a 15 foot by 15 foot rain puddle? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the grass. Sounds more sanitary. Yeah. That's sure. kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, would I rather be in a deep lake five miles from shore in a rowboat with a slight but steady leak <laughs> or in a hot air balloon one mile high with a slight but steady leak? <laughs> Neither of these is horrible. Because I feel like with a hot air balloon, yeah. I don't know a lot about balloonics. Um, yeah. As they say, but I feel like as it's, as, since it's a slight leak, you just slowly descend to the ground. Yeah. Um, and with the lake, I feel like, you know, at swimming five miles, is that's a lot of, I'm going to go with a hot air balloon. Yeah. Because like I could probably swim five miles of my life depended on it, which it would. It's <laughs> um, a long way. It's a long way. And you could row. Not a long way. Oh, man. I, no, it's very oh, long. long. I, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's really hard. 
I don't think I could, that's why I'm going with the air balloon. I don't think I could swim that. I could fall a mile if my life depended on it. <laughs> I definitely <could laughs> cannot swim five miles. I could miles. fall a mile no matter what. <laughs> and the last one is, uh, would I rather... Oh, I didn't actually read this one. Hmm. Would I rather topple a display of 10,000 cans in my local supermarket and make the local paper in a feature highlighting my humiliation? <laughs> Or, or have it reported in a tiny blurb on the back page of the local newspaper that I got injured falling off the toilet. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go with the toilet. That sounds hysterical. The local pastor falls off the toilet. That could be on the front page. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's better than not. That reminds me of this is what I read in the newspaper in Akron, Ohio. There was a guy trying to escape from the law and he climbed into a dumpster. And the garbage truck came and picked him up and then compacted him. <laughs> Did he die? Did he die? No, he didn't die. But he, what? He, he, somehow he pops up. This. They caught him. And that was that was the long and the short of it. They caught him. Oh, I just thought that is so hilarious. <laughs> He's all compacted. <laughs> uh, it is time once again for a word from Rome. Bill just finished the first of a four-volume set. Is four, it four Four hundred no, 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 volumes. Mine's only two volumes. Two so they, volume oh, set goodness. of the complete history of the Roman Empire. Congratulations, Bill. I'm, I'm happy about it. You said you're taking a break before you start the next one, right? Yeah. Well, is, it, is it similarly long? It's a hundred pages shorter. So All right. okay. it's long enough for me. <laughs> that works. What's the last word from Rome then? All right. Do you know about Theodora? No. Ooh, baby. Okay, towards the end of the Roman Empire, we're talking 476 AD, there's an emperor named Justinian. And he really didn't have that much going for himself. But he lasted a long time. I think he was an emperor for about 26 years and in the mix comes this woman named Theodora, who's a theater actress. And in those days, that also meant you were probably a prostitute. Hmm. Hmm. So she was a prostitute, and she would seduce men left and right, rich men. And it sounds like she was seducing like one a day. So she seduces Justinian, the emperor of Rome. Wow. Oh. He's crazy about her. And the government, as well as the church, say... You cannot marry her because she has been an actress and a prostitute, and we have a law against the emperor marrying prostitutes. Sure. What year is this? 476 AD, give or take a few. I mean, that's, sure, that's yeah, the yeah. time when the empire is considered to have fallen. Okay. So Justinian comes up with something truly Christian at this point, and he says, if a person repents, why can't you marry them? Hmm. And they thought, yeah, if you repent, you are righteous in the eyes of God. So right away, Theodore, I repent. So about the next day, Justinian marries her. And she becomes the empress. And her throne is right next to his. And she basically takes over because she's got way more brains than Justinian. <laughs> she's, she's a very brilliant woman. But she has the morals of a reptile. Okay. And, and just, to, just to oh, tell wow. you why, why I say that, in her dalliances with people, she did have a child born to her, and she left the child in Egypt. Hmm. The people raising the child tell the girl, you are actually royalty. You are the daughter of the now empress, Theodora. Hmm. The girl thinks, great, I'm going to get in on this gravy train, and she goes to the capital, which I'm not sure is Rome, because Rome is not always the capital of the Roman Empire. Right. Ravenna is, and Constantinople. So she goes to one of those capitals and finds Theodora, introduces herself. I'm taking it that this is probably a young woman now, maybe 20 years old. So Theodora has her bumped off. Whoa. Yeah. No way. So Theodora what you, is what does that mean? killed. She oh. has her killed. Think of that. You're going to kill your own child just because. Yeah. Is a threat to her or something? Or? Yes. Wow. Wow. That's disturbing. So this Theodora was quite the character, and that's pretty much the last few pages of volume one is reading and, about Justinian and Theodora. Ends on a high note. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, she's sort of like Cleopatra. Yeah. It yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. It. yeah. 
So you said this takes place right around the end, the fall of the Roman Empire, right yeah. around 470? What happened? Not, not in... that it really falls, because there's like another thousand years to read about. Uh, not a thousand okay, years, but go. maybe another couple hundred years. Sure. So she didn't actually repent. No, that was a false <laughs> repentance to become the empress. <laughs> Couldn't have seen that coming. Fair enough. <laughs> Dan, you're about to start reading this, right? You just got it? I am a couple of chapters in. Wow. Yeah, this is funny to me, the repentance thing, because I'm preaching on repentance in about a week and a half. Oh. Uh, genuine versus counterfeit. That is the very wow. definition of counterfeit repentance. Right. True. Right. What is counterfeit repentance. Well, I can't tell you because I'll <laughs> spoil your sermon. I'll spoil the sermon. I know you've got it memorized. I'm okay. I can. We can wait. We got future weeks. We got future weeks. Uh, before we get into topic of the week, it is time once again for what is going on. The part of the show where we take a look at a passage of scripture and discuss what is going on. <laughs> this week, I want to read uh, Colossians 2, 11 through 15 for you. Uh, it says... In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In the same breath, he talks about circumcision, and then he talks about death, being buried with Christ when we're baptized. In baptism, we're buried with Christ. Why do we have to die to be born again. I think that's what makes being born again so powerful, that we are dead in our sins. We're not just sick. We're dead. We need a resurrection. Can you, say, can you explain what it means to like be dead in our sins? We're living futile existences mm -hmm. that's heading toward an eternal death and damnation. Mm -hmm. So we're dead. It's sort of like you are the Chicago Bulls, and you are losing to the Lakers 100 to 50, and there's one second left. You are dead. You, you, there's, mm. you cannot win this game. Mm -hmm. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you are dead. And it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much education, how sophisticated you are, how healthy you are, you are still a dead man walking. Mm. The only way out of it is to be born again through the Holy Spirit awakening you to new life in Christ. That, that's your only hope. There's no other hope. And so how does baptism sort of fit into that? Oh, it's a beautiful symbol of what you've undergone, hmm. particularly when you're baptized by immersion. Yeah. You, you are immersed into this watery grave. You hmm. are dead. Mm -hmm. And your sins are being buried with you. That's hmm. one of the positive points. Mm -hmm. And when you come up out of that water, you are resurrected into new life in Christ. Mm -hmm. And people will tell me from our church, I felt I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I came up out of that water. Mm -hmm. And at first I would just think, well, that's nice. But then I started realizing, wait a minute, if you read Acts chapter 2 more carefully, you see that it says that those 3,000 were baptized. They were baptized and Peter said, and you will be filled with the Spirit. Uh, mm. just, just expect this. Mm. You think, whoa, that's what was happening to these people that were reporting. I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I came up out of that water. Mm. And this is what we, I know, mentioned in our baptism class that we give to, because there's a lot of confusion around baptism a lot of times, just because of some high church traditions that say baptism is for the cleansing of your sin, whereas in the CMA we don't subscribe to that, don't believe the Bible teaches that but that it's a believer's baptism when someone comes to that point in their life where they're willing to say, where they're ready to say, hey, I've, I've owned this. I, I am a Christian. I have asked Jesus to be my Savior. He's forgiven my sin. I'm ready to take this step. That it's a, a symbol, like an outward symbol of what's already taken place hmm. in the heart. Mm -hmm. And it's a public declaration. Yeah. Scott, what are you looking up? Uh, I was looking at uh, Romans 6. Um, which I think addresses uh, your question pretty directly, Max. Um, 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin." Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Um, so I think, you know, the the symbolism of, like, why do we need to experience death before, like, this this death represented by baptism before um, before we can be born again, you know, verse 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Um, and so it's it's symbolic of just Jesus, the death he died, he died to sin. So also, you know, count yourselves dead to sin, like that life's over now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, you know, as Bill was saying, that baptism is a powerful symbol of like, your old self is dead, you know, the old is gone, the new has come. Um, and so you're being reborn into this new life for Jesus. And so before you can be reborn, you know, unless you want to have two simultaneous lives, which you know, James talks about the double-minded individual and mm-hmm. you know how that's not so good. Um, you know, you need to put to death the old sinful life first. Mm. And that kind of goes to your point from Rome about repentance, <laughs> uh, and about repentance or false repentance. Um, of like giving up the person that you were and letting that, that person die. But it is. All right. You make me want to talk about it. I know. I'm sorry. We're not, <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. If only someone yeah, if knew. Only, it could be a teaser. Look at it that way, Dan. It yeah, there we go. Well, part of what counterfeit repentance is, is when we think that <laughs> just because we. Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent, a new nation. Yeah. Part of it, uh, of that counterfeit fake repentance is just saying, I feel bad. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel remorse, but not, it's got to go beyond that. It's got to be an, a real understanding. We have of what we've done wrong mm-hmm. words to be able to express as like a sincere apology, heartfelt of this is what, what I did to you mm. either to God or to someone else. And then actually having action steps and like, what am I going to do to not make this like repeat this again? Mm. So yeah. that's, that's what I've been reflecting on in. And that's thinking about it's a, it's it's powerful. Yeah, it makes you pause and think: Where am I really with God? Not where I think I am, yeah. or where I really want to be, but where am I really? Yeah. And like it's it's not just the dying; it's the it's the we die with Him, so that we are raised with Him, mm-hmm. right? It's the yeah. dying is just the first half, and I think the dying is the really easy part to understand because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I'm mortal. I know what dying's like. Well, I don't know what it's like, but. <laughs> I'm familiar with the concept, right. but the idea of, of that it doesn't just stop with Jesus died and took your sins away and now you're dead, mm-hmm. um, that there's, that we are raised with him. And, and like we've talked about before of, of if we're going to be heirs with him, we must suffer with him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the sad thing of someone like Judas, mm-hmm. who he was actually offered a chance to, he had two chances to repent. He could have repented at the dinner. When Jesus said, this is the, it's the person who's going to dip in the bread with me, he could have kind of given him a chance to like come clean here, didn't take it. Mm-hmm. And then when he returned the money, he was filled with remorse. Yeah. That remorse didn't, wasn't really a full true repentance of leading him to say, you know what? I messed up here. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He was just crushed by the weight of his own guilt and sadly took his own life. Mm-hmm. Just think if he would have repented at that point. Man, that would be a powerful powerful living illustration because I really believe the disciples would have taken him back. Yeah. Mm. I mean, look what happened with Peter. They took him back. And yeah. he, I mean, he betrayed Jesus too. Yeah. I mean, a denial is a betrayal. And they accepted Paul years later yeah. when yeah. he came back to, to find them in Jerusalem. Spoiler over. Spoiler <laughs> over. <clears throat> um, any final thoughts before we get into topic of the week? Oh, that wasn't topic of the week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Topic of the week. Uh, let's get into topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you once again, and perhaps for the last time, because Never. I realize it's been by Eric DeNovo, for, by Eric DeNovo and the Young Adults Bible Woo. Study. 
It was Marvin Gaye who famously sang, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to the young adults Bible study at Bloomingdale Church. Join friends young and old-ish as they come together to continue a study of the book of Matthew. The YAB SBC is a community of believers and seekers learning to love Jesus more fully and going through some of life's most challenging years together. The young adults Bible study every Wednesday night in person, in the coffee house, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash adults to learn more. Uh, how is that going, Scott? I have not been in weeks. So I'm very sorry. True. <laughs> You're excommunicated. I, yeah, oh, you, you quoted that Marvin Gaye quote. You said, <laughs> you said it with a lie in your heart. <laughs> I, I, was, I almost finished it with, so what's your excuse? And then I was like, what is my excuse? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it's been awesome. We're This is the fifth Man. week, which is hard to believe. We're like Man. a month in. Of the new Bible study. Of the new Bible study. And um, every week's been really good. Um We've had a really like good turnout every week. We've had new people coming every week. Cool. Um, and I've had some really great conversations. I'm really excited about tonight's conversation. Last week was a tough week for anyone who doesn't know or didn't hear the announcement in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we d- we're doing like a companion Bible study with like the sermon series. So the sermon series is on, well, before it was on Matthew 24 and 25 and the end times. And now we're continuing to Matthew 26 and 27 and Jesus' final days. And so each week we look at the passage being preached on and we do some Bible study uh, on that passage. And last week was tough because it was just five verses and it was basically just <laughs> Jesus said the Passover is coming. And the chief priest said, let's kill Jesus, but not during the Passover. And that was it. <laughs> uh, but surprisingly, we still had some good conversation on that. And this week it's about the woman... Uh, who anoints Jesus with the expensive perfume and and the disciples' reaction and Jesus' reaction to them. Um, so I'm excited uh, about tonight's group, and uh, you should come next week when it won't be about that passage. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't hear about this till Friday. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, for topic of the week this week... Now I switch out my notes Ooh. on the second page so that Scott can't read it from across the table. I was like only interested to be double-sided. I was only interested in bets. Well, since we don't have those, I don't care. Well, I'm glad you won't see what we're replacing bets with, oh. which is very important that you not see. Uh, for topic of the week this week, um, we're talking about uh, the question, how can I hear from God? Um, I want to start by asking, is it presumptuous to say that God is always speaking to us? Um, Because I wanted to start this by saying, God is always speaking to us. He's speaking to us all the time and we want to hear him. But I want to, let's step back and establish, like, is God always speaking? Like, if he has something he wants to tell us, is it a, a constant thing that we're just constantly ignorant of? Or does, you know, does he stop saying things? I mean, he stopped saying things in the intertestamental period. Presumably, um, at least written words. At least written pro- words, prophetic words. Yeah. Um, so, like, does is there ever like ah, all day Tuesday, God didn't say anything to me. He took a break. He no. took a break, or at least like from me, right? Like he didn't he didn't answer my questions or compel me to do things or convict me of things. Like, is that? You know, I think there is hmm. uh, times where you just can't hear from God. Mm-hmm. And actually build your faith in the long run. But Mm. sometimes people describe it as just dry periods where they read the Bible and nothing, nothing seems to mean anything to them. They go to church and nothing happens. And they pray and nothing happens. And it's not that they've gone off into sin. It's just one of those periods where it is quiet. God's not speaking and nothing is happening. I think that's the normal Christian life, that you have some of those periods, mm-hmm. and ultimately it does build your faith. It's not something you enjoy going through, but you begin to realize as you look back upon those times, wait a minute, God was working. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't see it. It wasn't as black as I remembered it being. It mm-hmm. There, there was something happening. I just couldn't see it. But, but I think that is a normal Christian life, that it's mm. not a case of every single day with Jesus. He's talking to me, and mm. I've got something new, and mm. I'm doing something new. Um, I, I, I just don't think that happens. Mm. Even when I read the lives of the greatest Christians that have ever walked the earth, it becomes apparent that 
there were times that were just absolutely supernatural and they were accomplishing more than a human could ever accomplish. But those were actually limited times. It wasn't that they lived at that level on a daily basis for say 60 years. Hmm. It was simply a great highlight. And I mean, we're talking great Christians like Billy Graham. Billy Graham had tremendous results in the early 50s with his evangelistic campaigns. And then when you get to about the 1980s, Fuller Seminary starts studying Billy Graham's campaigns and realizing not much is happening here that really matters for eternity. Hmm. Wow. Billy Graham's just had a big crusade in Seattle and the stadium is full and a lot of people went forward at the end of the service. And so then Fuller tracked, well, where were those people a year later? And they found that somewhere between 1% and 3% could be found in a church hmm. of all those people who went forward. Wow. So they took those results to Billy Graham. Of course, he's not happy about it. It's like, oh, golly, you know, we knew this was going on to a degree, but yeah. whoever dreamed it was like this. Mm-hmm. So, and nobody's picking on Billy Graham saying, ah, we shouldn't have given money to him. We shouldn't have been praying for him. No, no, it's not that at all. It's simply, there was a waxing period, the early fifties. And then there was this waning period. And that's the normal Christian experience. Hmm. Hmm. Something that, that kind of reminded me of, um, that's a little, a little tangential, but I, I think it's super interesting. Um, also from, I think this was not before we started recording, also from the book that I've been reading with, uh, the basic premise of the book is, is how we relate to God and, and Sky looks at four inadequate ways to relate to God. He describes them as life over God, life under God, life from God and life for God. And in the life over God, uh, he talks about, um, believing that God has instituted certain principles of behavior like leadership or relationship. And if you just do these principles, like you'll be successful. And so he talked about like the dangers of, of quote unquote effectiveness and like prioritizing effectiveness and how we in the Christian world and ministry world often equate effectiveness with like faithfulness. Like Mm -hmm. if you're seeing like numbers grow and, and, and you know, your ministry is really booming, then like you must be doing it right. And he drew this really fascinating comparison with Moses in the desert. Um, you know, he, he said that Moses, with his staff, when he struck the rock, was kind of taking like a life over God approach. Um, you know, this staff in parting the sea and turning into a snake and turning the Nile into blood, this staff has been like the, the common denominator, the core principle, you know, to use his uh, sky's language. And so he takes the staff and he strikes the rock when God told him to speak to the rock. And what's really interesting is that he comes back to, he circles back to after talking about effectiveness, is that that was still effective. God still worked the miracle, but Moses did not do what God wanted him to do. And so we see in that, and sadly in in other instances, like Ravi Zacharias, to be very relevant Mm -hmm. and topical, Mm -hmm. faithfulness is not reflected in effectiveness, like in a one-to-one comparison. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But if we start to equate effectiveness with faithfulness, there's some some pretty dangerous counterexamples mm-hmm. that we need to take into consideration. So I think about Billy Graham and, you know, his, I'm sure from what I know about Billy Graham that he was probably still being very faithful. Oh, but yeah. his effectiveness was yes. not at the same level for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. His effectiveness with stadium... <clears throat> evangelism. Sure. So even sure, Billy Graham, sure. he had lots of ways he was reaching people for Christ. It wasn't all about Billy Graham. I think that's why all of us loved him so much that mm. he was trying to help all the people who were being evangelistic out there because he wanted to see people saved. And it didn't matter to him that he got saved because of this evangelist as opposed to he, Billy Graham. Yeah. Mm. I'm I, thinking about that. was interesting. Talking about God speaking individually and there might be times of silence, but I think globally God is... Sure. Speaking for sure makes mm. me think of, you know, the the psalm that says, "Day after day, they they the, the heavens that display the glory of God mm-hmm. pour forth knowledge. Night after night, they mm-hmm. pour forth speech that God is speaking through creation. He's speaking through what I've got right before me right now, the Bible. Mm-hmm. So globally, yeah, on an individual level, it could look like I agree with Bill. There's definitely been times in my life where I felt like 
where are you, God? Those dry times, I think we've all, both us four here and our listeners have felt that, yeah. the, the desert kind of experience. And you said, Bill, that that desert experience can be good for developing faith, right? It, can, it yeah. has a purpose, right? If God's not speaking, it's not because something's, you know, necessarily like God's broken or right. you know, <laughs> the connection is broken or something like that. It's, it's on purpose and God is good whether he's, mm-hmm. you know, speaking to us in this moment or not. So the answer to the question, you know, is it futile to try and hear God, you know, when he's not speaking, like is seemingly no, because there is meaning in, in God giving us that, that pacing, right. And sort of having that wa- that waning period. Um, but I guess <laughs> why is it worth it when he is being uh, quiet to, to still try and, and, and hear him? It definitely doesn't hurt you. <laughs> it definitely, it, when you're doing the things that, that honor God, when you're, in the, in the Bible, really trying your best to listen into the Holy Spirit, to try to see what He's telling you when you're have, trying to have an active prayer life, even when things seem like, what in the world is going on? Or if things are going wrong and you don't know why, or things just appear really silent and quiet, it definitely is at least helping you, helping us develop perseverance mm-hmm. in that of keep, <clears throat> keeping on, keeping on, not giving up, not growing weary in the well-doing, like Galatians says. Yeah. But, not giving up. I'm thinking about Moses. He had the most phenomenal experiences with God. And yet he also spent 40 years in Midian in obscurity. We know very little about it except that his father-in-law was Jethro. He married a woman named Zipporah. And he was truly living an obscure life for 40 years. Hmm. But I think God used those 40 years to build a man who was living at a supernatural level the final 40 years of his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but it took 40 years of obscure training from God. Not very titillating, I don't think, but just mm-hmm. being there in the desert of Midian. But that's what got him ready for the next 40 years. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of King David, too. You get... The Psalms that he writes, like Psalm 23, a Psalm of trust in God despite mm. everything. And then you get Psalm 13, like, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Yeah. Mm. Just like that, you definitely see that's kind of the up and downs of, of life and life with God at times where mm. things might, you might feel on the mountaintop and the next moment, it's like, where are you? Mm-hmm. And it's comforting to me, like you mentioned, Bill, with Moses and talking about David, like, it's not unique to us. Yeah. Yeah, I think if... In trying to hear from God, you're pursuing God, then that will only ever be to your benefit. If mm-hmm. you know, if you're approaching it in kind of like a like a whiny way, self-centered, like I just want to know what's going on, and or you, you're making the word from Him the thing you're worshiping. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that could be detrimental. <clears throat> but as long as you're, you know, like exam- the perfect example of David that Dan was just mentioning. You know, David, even when he was going through these really difficult times, like was still bringing it back to God, and he was still mm-hmm. fostering his relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much every psalm ends on a note of praise. Yeah, yeah. Like, with a couple of exceptions. Yeah, Psalm 88 is supposed to be the only one that doesn't. Mm-hmm. But there's something positive in all the other ones. Yeah. Okay. Even if God isn't saying something new to you, like he's still there. He's still a person. Yeah. And so like the opportunity is still there for you to develop your relationship with him. Um, Even if he's not giving you like some kind of new instruction or whatever, which like Bill said earlier, now if that's how you're feeling, like, like you, God doesn't owe you anything. Like he doesn't owe you the, you know, the explanation of what's going to happen next or Mm -hmm. like, any of that, um, but like he's still there mm-hmm. uh, and he's still speaking through his word or like his word is still available to you to learn more about him and he still hears your prayers. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so fostering that that deepening relationship um, on your part as much as you're able mm-hmm. you know, during that time certainly can't be, uh, is always going to be a good thing. Yeah. I, I want to also interject, the normal Christian life you really are hearing from God mm-hmm. plenty. Yeah, the, the, I mentioned the silence. Yes, that's true. But hearing from him is also the normal Christian life. That that isn't mm-hmm. just something saved for Moses and right. David and Elijah. Mm-hmm. No, it's saved for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, yeah. So what does it sound like 
to you as individuals, like when you hear God, what does it sound like to you? What does it feel like to you? How do you hear God? One of the most reliable ways is just in his word. Hmm. Um, you can count, you know, you can take it to the bank that everything you're reading in the Bible is from God. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I'll speak to you through that. And, and I think Dan mentioned this earlier, I can't remember for sure, but maybe it was in staff meeting, but, um, you know, where you're just reading something and then all of a sudden something will just like jump off the page. And it's like, I've read this passage before, but I've never thought of this this mm-hmm. way. And that happens. I think Bill can attest by his vigorous <laughs> head nodding that that happened <laughs> to me this morning for your entire <laughs> life. And yeah. so like, that's fantastic. You know, if it's in the Bible, you know, it's from God. And if it really like is standing out to you in some kind of unique way, which it probably you'll experience that at, you know, numerous times in your life. then like, yeah, that's, that's God speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And you can know that's God speaking to you because it's in his word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had that happen this morning. That's really cool. What about? In Luke chapter 5, so I'm going through the Gospel of Luke right now, my quest, my slow quest through the Bible. The Bible in 90 years? The Bible in 90 years. The Bible in 900 days. I don't know. 90 months. It's uh, after Jesus, um, when he had resisted the temptations that the devil was throwing his way and, you know, quoted scripture and thought, yep, that's fantastic. And, you know, that Satan knew the Bible and was misapplying it and misquoting it. Mm-hmm. God, darn you. <laughs> no, no good. Jesus stood firm. That's great. I love this. Uh, this this part. Most wholesome devil I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 13 says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And then it said, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. I was like, so I just, I guess I never made that connection of mm. he resisted temptation and then moved onto a kind of new phase in the power of the spirit that mm. there is really empowerment when we resist temptation and move yeah. in a direction toward God and not toward fulfilling the desires yeah. of the flesh or the sinful desires that we have. This is like, this is really cool. Yeah. Mm. It's just a different, a new thought that God put in my mind and I would never have thought of. Mm. Oh, this is fantastic. Mm. I want to be filled with the power of the spirit, <laughs> <laughs> resisting temptation and moving forward. Mm. Bill, what does it sound like? What does it feel like when you hear God talking to you? I'll get a flood of good ideas. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So the prayer time begins with asking God for help. And then I continue praying about other things. And then I'll just start having all these ideas. Hmm. I think that's a good idea. Don't forget that one. Don't forget that one. Write this, write this stuff down. God is talking to you right now. Hmm. And so the prayer time has gotten into a new vein and it might run for 10, 20, 30 minutes. And it's more of just hearing ideas and saying, this is really, really awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you, God. Mm-hmm. So they might be ideas about ministry. They honestly, in my case, they usually are. Sometimes they're ideas about a passage, which is what happened to me today. Um, Today I was reading Luke 19. Hey, we're in the same book, Bill. Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking about Palm Sunday because I'm going to preach on Palm Sunday. Yeah. I thought, okay, start memorizing this passage. So I was trying to memorize Luke 19, 28 to 31. So I'll just share what, what happened. This is a very innocuous passage. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. So one thing that I think most of us notice is Jesus knows they're going to find a colt tied up as soon as they enter this town. Mm -hmm. How does he know that? Mm. And then it hits me, he knows everything about every being on the earth. Mm. He knows about this colt. He knows this colt has never been ridden. Mm. He knows this colt is tied up. And I thought, he knows all about you. He knows you're tied up, tied up with... Mm particular sin, tied up with worry, with fear. He knows this. Hmm. 
and he's anxious to untie you. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I thought, man, that is, that is, I love this. Yeah. Mm. So that, that's, I believe that's the Lord interacting with me. Yeah. yeah. That reminds me of when he said to Peter, go, you know, cast your line out the first fish you're going to catch, mm. open its mouth, there's going to be a coin inside. Like, <laughs> yeah. who else would have known something like that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it gives him a little bit of authority when he says, when he talks about how God, you know, takes care of the, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. He's like, how much more will your heavenly father? It's like, you know, he's aware of all of those things. Like how much more is he aware of you, the, mm-hmm. his creation, the thing that's made in his image? Yeah. Completely. And I was just reading too, and he's saying, okay, disciples, go and you're going to talk to this guy. They're going to, you're going to go talk to this guy and he's going to show you the upper room and you're going to make the preparations there. It's like, mm-hmm. how does he even know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do the disciples get, does somebody ask them? Why are you taking that? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going like, to At least one of the gospel accounts. Yeah, in one of the other gospels. So it's just like he told us. Exactly. The Lord needs it. And they were like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. The Lord if, needs it. If Jesus, that's my thought is like, they're going, he's like, and if somebody asks you, like, why are you taking that? Tell them the Lord needs it. And the, in the moment, they must have been like, <laughs> someone's going to ask us, or else he wouldn't have given us what to say if someone was going to ask I, us. I think they were more simple like me. They don't even think. They just go ahead, and then it happens. And they think about it 20 years later and write it down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um,. This is a slightly different take on it, but, you know, you're asking how can we know when God is speaking mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. I think similarly to what Bill was saying, sometimes God will speak through you and you won't know until like you're done saying whatever it was that you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and you can see the result mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's, that applies to when he's speaking to it. Like you can see the result and you're just like, oh, that clearly wasn't anything else. Like no one... It's it's most obvious when it's coming f- through you because you know you very well. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. you're like, oh, this isn't me. I wasn't planning on saying that yeah. <laughs> or yeah. whatever. But, yeah. um, you know, I think that's another way that you can kind of identify it is like when there's, there's just no other way to mm-hmm. explain it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And tell me a little bit about this book that you've read twice, once on accident. <laughs> 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 All right. One of the things I wanted to be able to do, particularly at the beginning of the year, was to hear from God. How do you know you're hearing from him? And then I started looking up book titles to that effect and came across one by Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM. It's entitled, Is That Really You, God? Hearing the Voice of God. So I thought, this is, oh yeah, let's read this book. So I buy it. Yeah. Or get it for Christmas. I think I asked for it as a Christmas present. So I get it for a Christmas present, read it. And then one day I'm sitting in my office, you know, a couple of weeks later, and I look and just looking at the titles on the binding, and I see, is that really you, God? And it's a different copy of the same <laughs> book. I thought, I wonder if you've read this before. So I pulled it off the shelf and see my handwriting and the margins all the way through and said, you have read this before. You've read it twice. Way to go. <laughs> I, have a, I do have a question for you. How did you search for books before the internet? Oh, it's just the old fashioned. You, while you read a book, they reference another book. And uh, think, oh, yeah, uh-huh. man, I want to read that someday, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's why people that really like reading, they always are getting in deeper and deeper. Oh, you know? sure, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes but at the end of this book, he has this we'll call it an afterword, 12 points to remember, hearing the voice of God. And he gives 12 things to do so that you're more tuned in to hearing the voice of God. But he had one part, it's a sub point. He says, we hear him through his word. And then this is very radical, through an audible voice, Mm -hmm. which in church world, we don't like talking like that because that's just over the top when people say, I heard from God. I heard his voice. I mean, I really heard his voice. But this past week, Chelsea and I, we were a team going out visiting, and we went to visit Lou. Nice. And Lou has really given his life, like as a full-time Christian worker who's unpaid by the church for Mm -hmm. about 15 to 20 years now. And I asked him, Lou, why don't you tell Chelsea your testimony? And, and he said, well, right where you're standing, I heard the voice of God just as clearly as I hear your voice right now. Whoa. Mm. 
And this is what the Lord said to him. Lou, you've been working for yourself for 48 years. Why don't you come work for me? And it turns out he wasn't even saved when he was hearing his voice. Whoa, what? Because he went on to give his testimony. He said, one of the things I did was work in Awana. And there was a, I think it was a little boy. doesn't matter. A little boy, a little girl that had a learning handicap. And so Lou was working with this person one-on-one to memorize the verses for that week. And it was a verse about salvation. And he said, what happened was the little, I think it was a girl, the little girl and I both got saved that night at Awana Mm. because of that verse. Mm. I think, wow, Wow. is God great? He's talking to somebody who's not even truly a Christian yet, Mm -hmm. telling him, why don't you come work for me? (laughs) And he does, he obeys, he gets saved in Awana. That's amazing. As an adult. Wow. Man, my wife had an experience hearing God's voice like that too. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you hear people that do. Pretty neat. Yes. Do you feel free to tell your, her story? Yeah, I, I think she was uh, in high school and she was doing something after some kind of a wanna club, and heard God. It was alone in the house and heard God say, "Will you be my missionary?" Mm. Bam. She said, yes. <laughs> so, like There was no one in the house. It wasn't my mom or a dad playing a prank on me or my brother. She was alone. Yeah. Like, the, like whoa. Yeah. Wow. Like probably like 16, 17. Yeah. Wow. So he goes on. He gives two other bullet points with that one. It was also, he speaks to us through dreams mm-hmm. and visions. And, and again, that's not something you hear a lot about in church world, that people come in and talking about, I had a dream Everybody kind of backs away a couple feet, like, oh, golly, where's mm-hmm. this going? Because in, in fairness to everybody backing away, there are plenty of people that are off their rocker yeah. saying stuff like this. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a form of Gnosticism where I have this special truth, you don't have it, so I'm right, and you have to sit down and listen to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's hearing from God in a way that goes awry. But, but we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's still the truth that that is how God talks to people. Sure. And that's something that's come up on the show a couple of times is that happening in the Muslim world a lot. Yeah. Um, And we're all for the Muslims. Hey man, a Muslim heard, you know, he had a dream. (laughs) Woo, he got saved. You had a dream? (laughs) (laughs) Get out of here. Get out of here. You don't need to have dreams. You got the Bible. Wait, wait, wait wait a minute. I think we talked about this a while back on the spiritual warfare, maybe that we're not, because our culture is all about science. Yeah. And we're not, the supernatural kind of wigs our culture out, whereas in other countries that are more attuned to that or more familiar with that, then it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, God speaks to your dreams, of course. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's true. And I think that, I think that got brought up on that episode of like, you know, science belongs to God as much as the, the spiritual world does. And, and so, we just can't be blind to his speaking and his miracles through the realm of science, like through the, through the, the art of science as it were, which is one of the most, I guess, secular fields, which is boggles my mind. If I was a scientist looking and not to digress, but if I was a scientist looking at like cells or an astronomer studying the sky, it'd just be blown away. And just, I would seem so insignificant. It would force me to look, or a creator to, to like, who, who made this because it, it's beyond the realm of understanding that it would somehow come to be by accident. We got to get a bunch of scientists on an episode. I have a science episode. <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> all of us against Bill Nye. No, Bill versus Bill. Bill, Bill versus Bill. Bill. That'd be an epic battle the for final the final century. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is, is that it for the 12 points, Bill? Oh, I don't want to go through all of them. Oh, okay. It would bore you to death. Well, uh, but, but I mean, think of it. <laughs> you don't hey, there's 12. I mean, there's yeah. 12 viable ways to hear yeah. from God in the here and now. And mm-hmm. then they have subdivisions like dreams, visions, audible voice, yeah. the inner spirit, which is just usually quiet. And, mm-hmm. I, and then he mentions that that's the way most of us hear from God. Just There's this quiet inner spirit yeah. communication saying, this is the way to go. So that, do you guys want to... To, to sort of wrap us up on, on this conversation, like, would you, you've shared a couple of, of how God's spoken to you, but would you, you know, share any, any concrete examples of, of times that God has really spoken right to you? 
I think sometimes it comes in the form of something I know I need to do and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, oh, there's that tension of, oh man, this is not coming from me. Something like either sharing the gospel with someone or talking to someone about an uncomfortable issue or, or God is saying, lean into it, do it. I'll be with you. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when it goes contrary to what I what is comfortable for me, then yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I could sense that this could be possibly be coming from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not something that you'll usually come up with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I really want to go be super uncomfortable right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it goes against most of what we want. <laughs> yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. That's something that's described in God's smuggler quite a bit of really pushing against um, just the I think the the term is like positive conviction, right? Versus negative conviction, which is still important and draws you to repentance and draws you to confession, like positive conviction of like, I don't know why, but I am supposed to do this thing that glorifies God right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that shows up a lot in that book. I would definitely, for the 40th time, recommend, <laughs> for the 40th episode in a row, recommend reading that book if you want to <laughs> hear good stories about that. Uh, let's wrap things up. Listeners, if you would... Oh, my. Stab I just yourself stabbed in myself in pain. the palm. I thought I was holding the other side, and I was going to do one of those. <laughs> I saw that kind of... Like, what is I he just doing? stabbed myself. Listeners, if you would like to stab me in the palm, you can send questions and would you rather send trivia quizzes and band-aids to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org for our closing segment this week. That really hurt. We have given up bets for Lent, so it's time for <laughs> Where in the Bible? is Carmen San Diego. We've got three passages of scripture and you fine gentlemen are going to tell us the book, chapter, and verse references. And the winner... Scott shaking his head no. You just read the Bible twice. You just read the Bible twice in a year. Yeah, but I'm notoriously bad at references. The winner, of course, gets jelly beans. You get one point for the book, one point for the chapter, and one point for the verse. If you get all three, you get five points. Wow. This is like cheating bets because it's kind of like a bet, but not a bet. It's, uh, yeah, sure. Oh, (laughs) it's like betting on, it's like betting on yourself. All right. To know the Bible. (laughs) Uh, uh, I will say these range from, uh... I wouldn't get any of them. So so aim for the book first. I wouldn't get any of and them. And then we'll see where you land. I'll be happy if I get the book. On zero to Beth Fleming, is this? This is, is going to be, uh, <laughs> on a scale of zero to Beth Fleming, this is going to be like a... Uh, a Gregory This Terman. is not a Gregory Terman. Gregory Terman's on the high end of the Beth Fleming <laughs> difficulty of quiz scale. I think this is in like the... This is like a Dan Marcello, I'd say. It's friendly. Okay. It's friendly, but there's some stretch. But, All right. But challenging. <laughs> it's friendly, but challenging. I'm glad Just you like know I'm a friendly, but challenging person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start with uh, uh, question number one. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? These are all in the NIV uh, I'll give you a hint. That's a psalm. Oh, that's that was, all I knew. That was literally all that I knew. <laughs> what the heck? Why would you do that? I'll still give I you a point Dan for it. this one. Yeah. I can sing the song for you, but I love love that song. I'm not going to bother with it. Let's do it. Let's sing it. Take a break. and, and You want to take a break and sing it? Let's do it. Scott. Dan. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Bill? No, let's just keep going. <laughs> It's 25 after four. Oh, my goodness. Is it really? Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Okay. All, all right. right. It is, uh, all right. Guesses. Dan. Psalm 27.1. I was Psalm 40. I had no idea. Just Psalm. That's all I knew. Yeah. It is Psalm 42. Oh, I was darn Oh, 42.1. 42.1. What is wrong with me? All right. So, we all got Psalm. All right. right. That's hey. right. So one point for everybody. Woo-hoo. I'm not going to bother with verses. I'm, I'm be, just letting you know that right now. Well, if you get the verse... You know, independent of everything else, you still get a point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you should always guess. Over. I should have said two because I would have gotten two points. Uh, so a, a point for everyone. Uh, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. All right, I'm going for it. This is a New Testament. I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> yes. Bill. All right. This is a, I know it's Paul, but all I've got as a way of a guess is Colossians 1.11. Scott. 
So, <laughs> what do you have written, Scott? No, here's the thing. <laughs> there we go. Is that earlier in the podcast? <laughs> yes. We were reading a passage. Okay. And I read around it for context. Oh. So I know it's Colossians. Yeah. But I'm racking my brain to remember what the chapter was. <laughs> but I'm pretty confident about the verses, at least right. roughly. So Come I on. guess Colossians two seven to ten. And I said Colossians two five. It is Colossians. What did you say? Two five. Two five. And you said Colossians ten. One eleven. One eleven. One eleven. So it is Colossians two eight to ten. Good job, Scott. Uh, so one verse. Scott gets uh, two points. Two points for Dan. Woo. One point for Bill. And, uh, I feel like I should get two thirds of a point. I thought something. it was a little risky. I knew it was up to ten. I thought it was a little I didn't risky. Know where you but I appreciate you looking for it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that, that brings us to our final one, uh, which is from the Old Testament. Mm. At the time for the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah went near the altar. Lord, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, he prayed. Prove that you are the God of Israel and that I am your servant. Show these people that you commanded me to do all these things, Lord. Answer my prayer so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you will change their minds. And then fire from the Lord came down and burned the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the ground around the altar. It also dried up the water that was in the ditch. Boom. Boom is right. Uh, as as... So I got a question for you. Because you're reading more boy, than oh, one verse. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. So do we need to get the exact... <laughs> do we have to have this conversation? Yeah. Right? <laughs> do we have to get the exact verse to verse? Or if we get some of if the you, verses right? If you guess one verse and it's in the range, I'll give it to you. All right. Okay. But if we guess a range and it's Whoops. one verse off, That's you won't right. give it to us. That's right. Yeah. That's so arbitrary. Well, <laughs> he is the moderator. I'm the moderator. <laughs> I'm the arbitrator. I'm Max Sherman. I am your arbitrator. Scott. Um, I guessed Second Kings three nineteen. Dan, I guess Second Kings twenty one seventeen to eighteen. Hmm. Bill, well, it's wrong. First Kings eighteen seventeen. It's First Kings eighteen thirty six. Whoa, go Bill! Whoa. Well done, Bill. Which gives him two points. Which means it's a three-way tie. <laughs> we all get jelly beans. That's you what know. you get. We all get jelly beans. That's right. Uh, everybody gets jelly beans. I'll distribute them after the show is I over. got Josh and Eric who want jelly beans from me. They were asking me this Sunday, where's my jelly bean? <laughs> Why do they get jelly beans? Because I campaigned on jelly beans for all. No, that's oh, a good That's a good that's, point. I told them I want jelly beans too. Your constituents are holding you to it. That's right. I, that's that's why the podcast is so strong is because it's citizens. They were hold- saluting me. Like this. <laughs> Always, always hold authority to its promises. That is all the time we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank Thank you, Max. Max. Bill, before you take your mic down, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast brought to you live from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Yeah, they were, the two guys were saluting me like this <laughs> at the sign. Like, why are you saluting me? Like, you're the president. <laughs> oh, those two make me so. <laughs> those are the. That's the great. Be- and then they're Eric the said, best of all I of us. I didn't deserve getting laughed at by about Frederick Douglass. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry. That's the only name that, ca- that popped into my head. That was so funny, <laughs> Frederick Douglass. <laughs> so we were laughing with you, not at you. That Whoa. is amazing. Um, I uh, I really am bleeding from my palm now. <laughs> it hurts so much. It might be the most pain like I've ever had in like a single moment before. Really? Well, like, you know, I've had probably worse pains that's felt more spread out, but I've never been mm. stabbed before, Bill. You reduced your tooth decay. So now when I go to my 50th class reunion and they say, Did you do so it? So how'd you do? <laughs> Bill succeeded. All you guys want to be president of the United States. Or... <laughs> you losers. Yeah. <laughs> Fell short, didn't you? What's wild about these reunions is, well, just walking up to the restaurant, you just think, who are all these old people? And I was thinking this like 25 years ago. I was just like, holy cow, they have gray hair and they just look awful. Were you there when they nailed him to a tree?
I was there 3,000 years ago. The ring should have been destroyed. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was there when the strength of men failed. <laughs> we, should, we should do. Isildur, we don't cast it into the fire. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I have, I have my notes. Uh, uh, Scott's already read them. Unidirectional today, <laughs> so that you can't see what's on the back. Do uh, we have you a think I can't week? read through that backwards? You got <laughs> another thing coming, bub. We don't have bets. We're, it's Lent. We gave oh, bets we gave up, up for, bets Lent. for Lent. That's right. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> well, I gave up a lot of stuff. I gave up Brussels sprouts, turnips. <laughs> Watermelon. Radishes. Not no, not stuff. watermelon, actually. <laughs> That's my dad that gives up watermelon for Lent. <laughs> <laughs>